What's up, NBA fans? Welcome back to another episode of Full Court Press. We're breaking down the trade deadline and the week's news. And with me, as always, is Jawan. What's up, man? What's going on? A lot of great stuff to talk about, man. Yeah, and, and some depressing stuff, too. But <laughs> Yeah, very man. true. Yeah, that's okay. But well, before we get into the depressing shit, how about, the, how about the Thunder, man? Did you watch that game last night? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Oh, dude, I fucking love watching Russell Westbrook play Golden State. It's like the most, it, it, the most fun uh, environment, the most, the most like pa- impassioned play, regular season play that I've ever seen in 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 my whole damn life. Like that dude, just like he he. I know everyone says like Russ like always puts in 100%, but, like, dude, he, 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 he turns it up to 11 for Golden State. Like, it's crazy how good, uh, how good they've looked in their two games against Golden State. Yeah. Well, and, and yep. mind you, too, without Robertson, like, and they still shut which him down huge. defensively. Yeah. Yeah, like, which is Ro- huge. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say, I will also say, um, when it comes to basketball, I approach regular season a lot differently than I would say football. Mainly because if a team is struggling in the and I don't I'm not trying to say that the Warriors are struggling, but if a team's not playing well and then it comes up against a team that is really motivated to play, um, then you kind of get a somewhat lopsided game. So like when I looked at that game, I went, "That's great for them." But I still, even after they've beaten the the uh, Warriors convincingly twice now, I'm still not convinced that I'd take them uh, in a seven-game series. I know I started the season by saying Thunder's going to do it this year, but there's something about Golden State that yeah, it's called KD win, joining a 73 yeah, exactly. win team. <laughs> exactly, but no, I was I was going to say when it comes to the Warriors and games like that. They find ways to win. I mean, let's not forget the, the that Warrior team without Kevin Durant was down three zero and willed their way all the way back to make it to the finals. So it's like with Kevin Durant, I absolutely feel as though not only will it be a really crazy high scoring game, but I think I'd still take the edge to the to Golden State only because they haven't been beaten yet. So it's like yeah. as much as we want parity as much as you know how bad I want Boston Warriors or Boston OKC, I desperately want Boston OKC. Oh, um, God, that would like, be amazing. It's hard. It's hard. Like, a lot of people were like, I don't want the Patriots. I want the Jaguars. Yeah, but it's hard to pick against a team that's usually always there. And so right. they're beaten. It's like you got to kind of go with the safe thing or, or the sure thing, rather. So, I mean, I right. loved what I saw from that, but it didn't sway my opinion of thinking – if they had to win seven games, it would have to take, like, I, I don't want to say an injury because that's disrespectful to OKC, but it would have to take, like, uh, Russell Westbrook putting up, like, a, a, a god kind of performance, like a godlike yeah. performance over the course of seven games. And I don't know if, if, if I put my chips on Billy Donovan's wagon as much as I, I feel comfortable putting it on Steve Kerr's. Yeah, I mean, that's very true, but I will say this, like, they have figured it out. 
like they are finally playing well um, together. And it's just so awesome to see because, I mean, like I was so worried about 30 games in, 20, 20 to 30 games in when they were struggling. Like I'm just happy to see that they're competing. And they certainly look like, at the very least, um, a second-round playoff team. And here's the thing, man. Like, I I agree with you. I would still I would still have to take Golden State um, in a seven-game series. If I'm if I'm Golden State, like the last team I want to play in the second round right now is OKC because absolutely like, Westbrook. He just man, he just turns on another gear when he plays them. And, like, and like Paul George is the perfect complement for him. Like, here's the thing. Like, KD, um, like, I mean, he he's turned himself into a great defender. He was not a good – I mean, well, he almost he wasn't good, but he was not a great defender um, when he played in OKC. Like, he just wasn't. He was good. I mean, he, he wasn't bad. He just wasn't great. And, like, Paul George is a great defender. Like, he plays so well. He compliments Westbrook so well. He can be your your first option when you when you need him to be. But he's totally content with being a second option. Like, I just, like, obviously Kevin Durant is a better player, but I think Paul George is a better fit. And if Kevin Durant – had left but not joined OKC, I'm sorry, not joined Golden State, like, and we still had, like, parity. Um, like, I like I like Oklahoma's team better now than when they had Kevin Durant. It just sucks that because Durant joined the Warriors, that the Warriors are just talent-wise so much better than everybody else. Yeah. You know, I, actually, you know what this OKC team reminds me of? And I know I know you probably won't necessarily agree with the comparison, but let me okay. explain it. They remind sure. me of you remember that year the Knicks uh won fifty something games with like Jason Kidd. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. that Amari. team was built that team was built to take down Miami. If you remember yeah. uh that team's record against Miami in the regular season, they just owned LeBron and Miami. They just had yeah. their number. They just had everything you needed to be able to beat that team. Why didn't we see New York Knicks versus Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals? Because it was so catered to beating – well, yeah, because it was so catered to beating Miami, it wasn't Mm -hmm. structured to playing a Pacers team that had two huge big – well, one huge big in the paint that they just didn't have anybody that could stop. Well, no, two, because they had David West then, right? David West, too, yeah, they did. So when I look at OKC, I think to myself, this team is built to beat Golden State. But if you're OKC, the problem that OKC has been having this season, they do not show up to games that they should win. They show mm-hmm. up to games no one picks them to win. That is the same issue the Knicks had that year. And that's why the Pacers was such a hard team for them to beat because they were overlooking the Pacers to get right to Miami. So if you're OKC, now that you've now that you've built this formula, keep that in mind. But that can't be a focus going forward. You have to think to well, yourself, and- all right, we have to start making more statement wins. These are great wins for them, and then tomorrow you're losing to the you know the no offense to you Nick uh, the Atlanta Hawks. You know what I'm saying? Like you yeah. can't do things like that. You have to mm-hmm. be dominant on a continuous basis 
before uh, anyone outside of Oklahoma is going to say, you know what, this is the year OKC could, could do what no one else has been able to do for years, and that's dethrone the Warriors. So I like that well, they were I, able to – go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, no, I, gonna I say... Uh, you, go. Okay, sorry. Um, no, I was just going to say, I, I like that you're able to stick it to um, the Warriors, but your focus can't just be that. Because if you're, if you're already thinking about you're going to be in the Western Conference Finals, you're going to overlook one of those good teams that will be in the playoffs in the West, and they could catch, uh, catch you sleeping. And that's what you don't want, because this whole season – will be uh, all but a waste if something like that were to happen to where they were out in the first or even the second round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and that's that's where I was going with it is, as of right now, it's very much looking like they'll probably play Minnesota in the first round. And Minnesota's had their number this year. So if they can get yep. by Minnesota, then they get their chance to play the Warriors, but they have to get by Minnesota first. Honestly, strangely enough, like – in the way you broke it down makes perfect sense because of the way this team's put together, even without Robertson, um, and just the edge that the team plays with when they play Golden State. Like I am more like as a as a Thunder fan, I would be more worried about Minnesota than I would be about Golden State. Because here's the thing, like mm-hmm. not that not that Minnesota is more of a threat than Golden State, but because your team, you're like, you're not going to play with the same intensity. Yeah, it's playoff intensity. I get that. But, like, it's not on the same levels. Like, it's, like I said, if they go up to 11 when they play the Warriors. And, and also, like, you're not expected to beat Golden State. If you lose to Minnesota in the first round, like, that, like as much as I think Paul George would be an idiot to, to leave, like, if, you, if you're a first round out – like, I, I don't think he stays. I think he stays if you make it to the second round, um, especially yeah. if you make it to the second round and, say, lose to the Warriors in seven. Like, I would guess because, I mean, then you can just be like, man, we were right there. Like, we were right there. Like, we we have such a good core together. We lost Robertson. Like, we'll have him back next year. Like, you know, I think there's enough things that they can sell him on. Um, and... Uh, but, like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, they can't overlook a team like Minnesota, especially given that Minnesota has played them so well this year. So, it'll be and it'll be it really seems... – No, I was just going to say, it seems like Minnesota has the same thing the Pacers had when they went against the Knicks. They have a piece or two that it seems like every time OKC plays them, they can't stop. And that's Cat. Right. Um, yeah. and, that's, uh, and that's either Wiggins, it depends on some nights, or, or Butler. Because one game it was Wiggins, and I don't think Butler played that game. And the other game it was Butler. But Carl Anthony right. Towns is the constant that it seems like Steven Adams cannot stop. So it's like well, that's he, the same he problem. He has to play so right. far out of the paint. Like, right. because Cat right. can hit threes. And, like, Adams is a really good defender. Um and he actually is one of the better, like, really big dudes um, as far as covering ground. But, like, when you're having to do it the whole fucking game, like, that's just – it makes things tough. It really does. Yeah. Um, and, 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 two, you don't have Robertson, so, like, Paul George can't guard both Jimmy Butler and Wiggins. So you're going to have to come up with 
with with you know some some way to keep both of those guys in check. Um, like Russ won't have a problem guarding Teague, uh, but like you can't. I mean, he's totally capable of guarding Butler, but you can't ask him to do that. Like there were moments in last night's game because he was doing so much that like like he airballed a shot in like late third quarter, and like you could just tell he was just like he just gasped because he was just giving so much like and because he was playing great defense he was all over curry switching like the whole team did but like um but that's the thing like you know you can't ask him to to do that you know uh and expect him to stay as productive as you want him to on offense yeah no i I completely agree um and the biggest the biggest issue uh, of why Russ was kind of getting a little tired uh, in yesterday's game, there was no mellow. So he couldn't yeah. get to the bench as often um, right. with Paul George and mellow be the guy that, that carries some of that load with the second unit. So, but if those three core guys be going into the playoffs, um, and, and Adam. you know, the kind of season, the, and Adams, definitely. With the kind of season we've been having, that that's definitely something you you have to to, to keep in mind. But if that core can stay healthy, um, you know they definitely have a great shot of if they do run into Minnesota beating them. But like I said, if once that playoff starts, where a lot of the reporters are going to be talking about you versus the Warriors or Houston versus the Warriors, you cannot let that be a mindset of yours, and that falls on Billy Donovan. You cannot let your team overlook a team like Minnesota that does have, um, you know, two really good wins over you. Two heartbreakers almost. Uh, the first one was a buzzer beater. And the other a one was just Jimmy Butler. Yes. And the other one was just Jimmy Butler playing his heart out. So it's yeah. just like you can't, you can't overlook that team because that team is very dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. No, you know, I mean, you're 100% correct. Um Really quick, before we really actually jump into our topics, um, I find it, like, it, it's sad that, that like, either OKC or Minnesota has to be a first-round exit. Like, I, we've talked about this uh, several times, but, like, especially if LeBron ends up going west, they've got to reform. They, they've got to just seed them 1 through 16 and, and let them play, right? Like, Honestly, it's just ridiculous. It, like, there's there's no reason why – I mean, I just think it's ridiculous that, that when you look at Minnesota and Oklahoma City, they are clearly two of the eight best teams in the league. And unfortunately, because of the structure, this archaic structure of East and West, one of them has got to be out. Yeah. And honestly, I think what basketball needs desperately is parity. I think a lot of times, you know, people are like, oh, no, but you enjoyed the Bird and Magic years back then. Yeah, but they weren't lopsided. Like, Bird wasn't yeah, they sweeping weren't. Magic. Magic wasn't sweeping Bird. Jordan and wasn't coming Philadelphia in. Philadelphia was great. Four. Right, Detroit exactly. was a there hard was parody. out. Like, yeah. So if you can't, if, so was... if you can't get parity by letting the NBA be the way that it is now, you have to make it one through sixteen. That way, we could get a finals of Houston versus Golden State. And honestly, right. I'm fine with that because the finals is supposed to be the two best teams in the NBA. Ideally, 
Mm-hmm. Ideally, exactly. So if you're telling me I have to watch another year of Cleveland, possibly even this year losing in four, we know they should have lost in four last year. So if they lose in four this year, I can't do another year of that. And what makes it worse is if LeBron goes west, that means whatever team comes out of the west is playing a team that, you know, I, I love Boston to death. But are we really going to favor Boston over Golden State if Durant stays, Clay stays, you know, Curry's still there, Draymond, and LeBron goes to Houston? Are we still favoring Boston of having any chance of winning that series? Not unless, not unless Boogie leaves and then, you know, the Pelicans are forced to trade Anthony Davis. That's the only way. Well, if they do that, then sure. Absolutely. That changes the right. the balance of everything. But if see, that but then, doesn't, but, then... But see, then you've got the same problem because you've got Boston who's just way better than everybody else in the East. Whereas still, if you break it down and you just have everybody plays everybody, they'll get a few more competitive series in the second and third rounds. Like, because, you know, the teams that deserve to be there will be there and the teams that don't will be out. Um, also, like, I think – I, I was I was listening uh, to uh, Open Four the other day, and w- one of the guys on there brought up something really interesting. Um, I also think it would – like, the East has been shitty for, like, comparatively speaking to the West for, like, 20 years now, pretty much since since Mike retired the, uh, the second time. Um, yeah. And, like, part of the reason that the East stays so mediocre – is because they make moves. Like, you just look at what Washington has done. Like, they've traded their picks the last two or three years to get rentals to try and win, uh, you know, uh, to make it to an extra round in the playoffs. Like, to, like, you know, oh, well, we, need to, we need to do this so we can, you know, make it to the second round. And it's like, when you do that, you, you, you're constantly setting your team back. You're, you're only serving yourself to, to you know, be, um, y- you know, to, to be good for, you know, that however long that period is. Um, and then once that guy, you know, comes up for his contract extension and you can't afford to pay him because you got to go pay Otto Porter $26 million, you're, you're stuck. And, like, they have no debts. They have no way of acquiring debts. Um, other than trading one of their stars. Um, and, you know, frankly, the East has has punished itself because they're, it's, it's, the East is so weak that these teams make, are more inclined to make short-sighted decisions, whereas teams in the West, like your Denver um, or Utah or Minnesota, like they wait for the right deal. Um, and, you know, they don't make short-sighted decisions because the West is always so competitive and, you know, you're not going to make make big mistake. You're not going to make a stupid deal that, you know, might help you win, get out of the first round, but it's going to hurt you in the long run because you're looking at the bigger picture and it may not get you out of the first round anyway. You know what I mean? So, like, but because the East is so weak and making a short-sighted move can get you out of the first round, these Eastern teams constantly do it. Uh, I mean, in Washington, 
honestly, Washington is just one example. I mean, Cleveland has done – I mean, the only team that hasn't really done it is Boston. Um, like, they have always been making the long play. Um, but, like, all of these other teams uh, – like, I mean, even, even for example, um, this year, uh, um, Milwaukee trading for Eric Bledsoe. Like, don't get me wrong, I don't think that was necessarily a bad trade. Um, but nevertheless, because of the way that the pick is constructed, like now you're looking at not being able to move the pick for like three years because it's protected in such weird ways. Like I would have rather just given up my pick, like just here, Phoenix, 2018 picks for next year. I have it, you know, like it's just, there's a lot of weird things that Eastern teams do. And I think if you had just seated on one through 16, you would start to see a parity come back between the Eastern and Western teams um, because the Eastern teams would, would be made to play by the same rules that all these Western teams play by. I mean, and honestly, the West just seems to value their farm more. They, they, they like the process of growing right. guys instead of just buying guys. Um, right. You know, and, and it pays off for them tremendously. Uh, we keep forgetting Kawhi wasn't this guy that had been like a 12-year vet and Spurs just signed him in his prime. Like, no, this is a guy that they drafted. Um, they traded away well, they traded. a really good player. They, yeah, they traded yeah. away a really yeah. good player, and George we were all Hill. looking yeah. at it like, Kawhi? Really? And we see what he's become. Because they right. had the, the, you know, the foresight to see that something great could come from uh, that draft pick, and you know, right. making the long haul decisions. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And see, and that, so, I mean, and that he, goes exactly to what I'm saying. Like, again, like maybe you know, maybe Indiana doesn't make it past New York uh, that year if they if they don't trade for George Hill. But like, I guarantee you, if they had kept Kawhi Leonard they'd still have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on that team and they would be in the in the in the running right now as one of the best teams in the East. Like, well, if you I have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on a team together, are you fucking kidding me? Like that that's just I didn't even your, go as far as to say I didn't even go as far as to say um the Knicks wouldn't be as god awful as they were if they didn't sell all to get mellow. I mean, right. I, I'm not going to go too deep into that, even though I am one of the rare people that still would have made that, that, uh, that trade any given day. Um, Cause you don't know when a guy hits free agency, you do not know. Right. He says, he says a lot in the moment, but once Kobe right. Bryant sits him down and goes, listen, you want to win, right? Come play here. Everything changes. Well, and not to love mention, for New York changes. At, well, and just look yeah, at like, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, just look at Paul George right now. Like, L.A. was like, mm-hmm. no, we're not going to trade to get him because we'll, we, we're confident we'll sign him in, in the offseason. And, and maybe they will, but, like, the way it's looking right now, that is definitely not a given because he is fitting great in OKC. And, you know, I mean, they have a terrific team. So, like, yeah. you know, if, if New York doesn't go and get Melo, let's say the Lakers trade for him, and then, you know, then he's on the Lakers. He's definitely not coming to New York at that point. No, I completely understand. And also, I will say this to defend the East a little bit, because it doesn't pertain to a large large enough amount for this to be the definitive reason why they, they aren't as smart as the West. But the East yep. does have a few, a few 
big marketplaces that that fan base doesn't stand for waiting. It doesn't like the right. idea of waiting. It wants now. It wants flashy. Mm-hmm. It wants production, like, immediately. So, you you know, you as a guy who needs butts in the seat always has to have a face. So now, you know, you're risking something because your fan base isn't patient enough so they can have a good 10 years instead of a good right. three years. So right. in the East, I see, I see why to them it's a little harder because they're more driven by business and less about basketball. So they're like, all right, well, we need people here, so let's sell the farm and go get Mellow, or let's sell the farm to get uh, uh, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and, and, and Joe Johnson and those guys. So I, yeah. I kind of get why the East is that short-sighted, but at the end of the day, when you look at how the West has sustained its, its greatness, you have to see it's because they have patience. Like their mm-hmm. fan base, do you think when Curry was playing next to Monte Ellis and they were losing all those games, that arena wasn't wasn't bone dry empty? You know, maybe it wasn't filled to to the max, but it wasn't empty. And now right. look at the fan base. You can barely see an, an open seat in in Oracle Arena ever. So right. they they were willing to wait. the The ten years was more important than the three years to that city. So that's why they yeah. were able to make something like that work. Yeah, absolutely. And like to to go even like further on your point, it's like like if if you were dealing with a like a East Coast mentality, if you were Golden State, you would have traded Curry uh, similar in the way that say um, uh, Charlotte traded Kobe uh, the rights for Kobe to get Vladdy Divac. Like. That's just that's just one of those god awful trades. Hindsight being twenty twenty, um, and like that's the thing they like they didn't do that. Or uh, another example for Golden State, um, you know Minnesota like was willing pretty much to trade uh, Kevin Love for um, Clay Thompson, and like like nothing else. Like they were just like yeah, just give us Clay Thompson. Like at the time. That was like, oh yeah, definitely, just, just do that. But like, you know, Jerry West and that 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 group were like, no, like we like Clay Thompson. We're not, we're not. He's he's not on the table. Like we want love, but we don't want him that bad. And so like right. that's the thing. Like you know, you're absolutely right. Like this, this, whether it's you know fans having patience or you know, I feel like I feel like the whole. Um, the whole Western Conference is, has been trust the process for 20 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, and I Philly, agree. Philly is starting like Philly caught up to it, and Boston's been on that, you know, been on that uh, train. Um, but the, yeah, there's just so few teams in the East that that, that make smart decisions like that. But I do and think again, honestly, going back to it, I do think that making like just doing away with conferences and making it one through 16 best teams you would get teams in the East that would have to have to make smarter. So you would, you would force them to make smarter long-term decisions and it would create more parity in the long run. Yeah, no, I agree. I was actually just about to say um, along the same lines of that, that you would force the hands of a lot of these Eastern conference teams that one trade with each other because you would know like, all right, well, if I'm giving him, you know, uh, one of my great players, and I'm giving him my draft pick, 
his future is obviously going to be better than mine because I'm betting on the right now. He's betting on the, again, the 10 years rather than the three years. So a lot of these teams would have to actually step back. And a lot of these owners, I I think they're usually some of the, uh, what goes wrong. They need to trust their scouts. Like if if your scout comes to you and goes, Hey, draft Kobe Bryant. You then can't go, "Mm, no, let's maybe trade him and get somebody else. If that scout was, was, was smart enough to to bring up Kobe Bryant's name enough for you to draft him, you can't trade you have you have to actually grow him. Like let him right. become something. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So a lot of these guys yeah. trust your scouts. If your scouts are saying, like I'll give you a great example. The city of New York, and I'm pretty sure that ownership, when Phil Jackson called the name Christoph Porzingis, because we don't know that much of overseas we were like, no, why? No, there were so many other people you could have gotten. And now we're yeah, like, there's no one else off. we would have rather. <laughs> exactly. And now we're like, there's no one we would have rather had than KP. He was the best so player in the trust, draft. Exactly. So if you trust that process and you trust your scouts, uh, which Phil did, and, and Phil obviously didn't go out and get KP, he trusted someone else to go out there and do it. Uh, and that was right. an amazing decision. But the East has to be – you know, he had to have more scouts that are that that uh, you know that stick to their guns like that. Like it doesn't matter yeah. if if the general public doesn't know who that player is, you know enough about him that you think he could be a game changer. Go and get him and stick to it and develop him. Absolutely, that's why I do have at least a little bit of confidence that if the Hawks get the number one pick, we'll take Luca, um, because I know, like, believe me, like most fans, like most. The Hawks fans that I, you know, interact with, like they either want us to take Bagley um, or Trey Young or um, uh, uh, DeAndre Ayton, um, who are all great players. I just think Doncic is is that guy. Like I think, um, and and you know the Hawks have pretty good scouts. So uh, now they yeah. haven't always, but they do now. Um, <laughs> but anyway, let's get into the topics. Um, Chris Alsforzingis, he's the fourth all-star to experience the LeBron team curse. Um, I, 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 before we, we jump into, well, he's, he's torn his ACL and, and he'll miss, he'll be out the remainder of the year. Um, get better, Chris Stops. We love you. Um, especially, uh, Jawan and Joel. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but like, seriously, I, I thought it was interesting uh, for for those of you out there, Joel's not with us tonight. Um, but he uh, he was trying to give Juwan shit for for calling it a curse, and that's like, bro, like that's a, like three three is is like a trend. Four is a fucking curse, man. Like yeah, it's only right. Absolutely. Like your team is garbage. Game plan defense. All your all your playoff selections going down like flies. Like something something like. I did the base guy put a hex on LeBron and we just didn't hear about it? Like, what the fuck's going on? He may bro? have. That's the only thing I could think of. But, I mean, I, honestly, when you look at it, Steph Curry is sitting back like, damn, I'm glad I got the guys that I got. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? It was a really yeah. smart decision like, to, to settle. Yeah, he's like, how my, my team ain't looking bad. They ain't looking so bad now, <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, no, I mean, the biggest reason why – and, again, it, it's playful when I use the, the term curse. I don't actually think, like, if you're on right. LeBron's all-star team, you're going to go down next. I'm just saying 
think about the I don't know, man. I believe in it. Players. I'm all there. It's no, like no, the I'm Kardashian about, curse, man. That shit's real as fuck. <laughs> There's nothing worse than the Kardashian curse. If you think yeah, about like, I don't care what players. Jeff Van Gundy says. Like, you can defend, you can defend them all you want. Like, like, you know what? Like, O.J. Simpson's murder case got your family famous, and everybody else has suffered who has interacted with your family since. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's, that's all very I'm true. saying. That is very. There's true. like, there's that like 13 different athletes who have. Like the numbers are in, bro, and there is something. There's something there. There's something to that. But anyway, go that's ahead. That's why I said it. That's that's why I said if you're Cleveland, you got to get Tristan Thompson the hell out of there, especially if you want to keep LeBron. Oh God! But anyway, See, man, that's, if you look that's at, the hardest one to move. <laughs> exactly. If you look at the all, all jokes aside, if you look at those some of the best players in the league, Demarcus Cousins, KP, John Wall, like you look at some of these guys and you go. These are some of the best players, especially for 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 their teams, obviously. But in the league, yeah, all, all and they're gone. 20. Yeah, yeah. Well, John Wall, and we're not even factoring in Marcus. Hayward at the, yeah, at the beginning Hayward of the year. At the beginning of the season, and guess who they played? Yeah. LeBron James. So I mean, <laughs> oh, that's right. Holy the idea, shit, bro. <laughs> the idea of this LeBron team curse. You can't you can't look at it and just go, oh no, it's, it you know it's it, it's just by accident. Like it, you know, it's not a curse or anything. It's just like, well, if it's not a curse, if you're on that roster, you have you know you have some of the worst luck ever. Like yeah. like think about this. Think about how KP and Demarcus Cousins went down, both being super aggressive in the same type of plays they have done every single night. Every yeah. single night. Yep. These injuries did not happen until they were selected to be on LeBron's team. Like, yeah. I, you can't look at that and just go, oh, no. You know, it's it's not that. I don't know. I don't know, man. And, again, I'm not saying LeBron's out here sabotaging anybody. I'm just trying to say, if you look at it close enough, DeMarcus Cousins, it happened not too long after he was named an all-star for LeBron's team. Chris stops a little down the road. He went. John Wall, he went. Like, they're starting to drop like flies. And not only is it terrifying because it now it now changes the landscape of what could have happened in the NBA uh, heading into next season, it just changes the landscape of everything for that entire those entire organizations. Like, now if you're the Pelicans, you can't have two guys who might, you know, drop like flies, at, you know, due to the injury bug and then paying them both max dollars. So now you have to think yeah. about that. If you're the Knicks, free agent that has that has wanted to play with Kristaps is not coming, knowing that he won't be back until around now of year 2019. So it's yeah. like you know, it, it just it ruins a lot of what franchises were looking to do with their star players. So, I, you know, we we joke about the idea of a LeBron curse, even though I think there's a lot more merit to it. But all jokes aside, it these injuries are, are huge game changers on the futures of these franchises that were looking to come out of mediocrity and actually be something. So, yeah. Yeah, man. And, and that's, that's the thing too. Like you just wonder, like, I don't, it felt this way early in the year that we, we had a, had a abnormal, it was just going to be a year with an abnormal amount of injuries. Um, and, you know, it's probably 
partially due to them starting the season earlier and them not getting in their, their workout regimen. But at this point, this deep in the season, it's curse, happenstance, whatever. Um, but, like, it just feels like one of those seasons, um, which which is is going to be interesting depending on who, like, who goes down next. Because, you know, if, if you take out, you know, one of those Warriors – that just opens up everything. Um, you know, obviously, you know, if if uh um you know you know, say either Kevin Love or, you know, whoever, if 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 LeBron literally has nobody to help him, you could see a different team come out of the East. Like, there's a lot of possibilities. It's 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 been a strange year and injuries have certainly contributed to it. Um as far as the Knicks though, um uh, they they traded Willie Hernan Gomez to Charlotte for Johnny O'Brien and uh, the Hornets' 2020 and 2021 second round picks. Um, that do you like that move for for your Knicks? Um, well, I will start by saying they actually waived. Um, right, they didn't release. keep they didn't uh, keep O'Brien. Right, yeah, right, yeah. And they um, just did it for so the I'm, for the two seconds. Right. I mean, it was kind of a head-scratcher to me and Joel because um, it kind of doesn't necessarily well, – I'm not going to say it doesn't help. It just it, – it, it was a weird move, honestly. Um, well, but, I think it's even but, weirder but, for Charlotte. Like, it's here's true, my thing. Well, if you're Charlotte – I will say this. If you're Charlotte, they seem to like the idea of big guys. And one thing we know I about Hernan Gomez but like, is he, has, he does have a really good ceiling – New York just has so many centers. You're not going to play Hernan Gomez over Cantor. Right. You're not going to play no, him over right. Quinn. Absolutely. So but see, that's, maybe but that's the problem. This, no, but that's the same problem you have in Charlotte. You have Dwight Howard, unless he gets moved. But as of now, you have Dwight Howard, and you have Cody Zeller. So he's still your third-string center. Like, Hernan Gomez is not better than Cody Zeller. Like, not yet. No, anyway. I think – I, didn't you say Dwight Howard uh, is is up in a year or something like that? Yeah, he's got one. He's he's got this year and then next year left on his contract. So I don't like. I, I'll say this. I, I can see I it being believe... a long long term play. But here's the thing: if like if if you're if you're going to trade Kimba, or even if you're not going to trade Kimba, like even if you know whatever. You, keep Kemba. Like, you don't have the pieces around him to do anything. Like, those two second-rounders could be very high second-rounders. That's why I really like it for the Knicks. I think it's a great trade for the Knicks, because he's not fitting in. He's not working out. Like, you at least get, pretty much get back what you what you put in to get him. Um, and, right. you know, I mean, I, I think uh, I think it's a, I think it's a very smart move for the Knicks. I think it's a very stupid move for the Hornets. Because um, he's not going to get playing time there, and the thing is, in order to develop, you need playing time. Like you, like you have to get playing time in order to develop as a player. Like you can, you can do as much as possible in practice, but in, until you get in and you play, you know, twenty, twenty-five minutes a game, you, you're not going to develop. And they don't, they don't like, they don't have a need for him. It just, it did, well, just didn't make. Didn't make very much sense to me at all. I'll say this: if you're Charlotte, you did that trade because you have no interest in keeping Dwight Howard. Um, I sure. honestly, and we'll talk about this a little later. I have an idea on where he could go now. 
But as far as Hernan Gomez, the main beef he had with the Knicks was he couldn't play. So if you're Charlotte, you traded away two second-round picks that could be something with the idea of Hernan Gomez when his contract's up, which I think is soon, he's not going to want to stay there if he can't play there either. So it's one of those things to where it's like I don't think they're dumb enough to waste uh, picks that, you know, they're not the greatest at drafting. I don't think they would have wasted two picks like that uh, to bring in a guy that they didn't plan on playing. Um, so I don't I know. You know MJ. Howard, he loves those big white dudes. No, that's, that's true. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, but I do think Dwight Howard will be gone, and Zeller and Hernan Gomez will either be starter and bench player or vice versa for, for those two. So I do think the bigger picture is to get Dwight Howard going sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, that would that would definitely be my mindset at this point. It's just, um, it's going to be how do you how do you accomplish that? Because nobody, there's, there's just such a small market for Dwight. But um, I know you got a trade lined up, so we'll we'll see if we can figure out a way to get him out of Charlotte later. Um, but in the meantime, absolutely. Uh, another trade that happened over over the course of this week: uh, Rashad Vaughn and a Milwaukee 2018 second rounder was traded for Tyler Zeller. Uh, traded to the Nets for Tyler Zeller. Um, just briefly, what were your, what were your thoughts on that trade? I, me and me, you and Joel were talking about it. I like Rashard Vaughn. Uh, Joel was picking at me because he was saying he doesn't play much. So what do you like about him? Uh, well, I mean, that's I the thing. Like, Milwaukee's got like eighteen guards on their fucking team. Like <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. I mean, I, I did like the little bit that uh, you saw him play. I did like the little bit that that I saw him. I, I didn't say anything like he was an all star or anything. I just I liked. No, I liked he's a kid. good player. Um, he's a good young player. He's a he's a good young player that could be a really good um, role player. Um, right, and you can I, I'm and, and he, he's up for he's up his contract is up at the end of the year, but he's restricted free mm-hmm. agent. The market for any free agents is so small right now. You're not going to have to pay him very much. I would be exactly. shocked if they pay him more than five million dollars a season. Like yep. he could definitely serve as a five million dollar a year bench player for the right team, and I think they could be the right team for him. Plus, yes, get a I, I completely agree. There you go. Um, but yeah. as, far as, as far as Milwaukee, I think, I think Milwaukee likes the idea of having these huge guys that either clog lanes or are athletic. Um, and lengthy, yeah. And, and that's, right, and that's, that's what they're trying to build off of. And it wouldn't shock me if Milwaukee were, were the team that were able to pull off a DeAndre Jordan trade more so than Cleveland. Uh, you're more into is, the particulars of it. I don't know how it would work. Yeah, well, but, um, I think yeah, I think this is the, the 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 nail in the coffin on that. Like they've been, um, they've obviously been in talks for DeAndre Jordan. They've been in talks for um, Dwayne Dedman from the Hawks. I I think the asking prices um, were just too high for those players, especially given that they've already traded their first rounder this season. So I think that was just their plan C. And, you know, and I get it. Like, Tyler Zeller has been having a pretty good year for the Nets. Um, and he's certainly more, like, he's bigger than John Henson. Like, Henson's just, like, he's not a bad player. He's just, he, he, he doesn't have a lot of muscle to him. He's, he's pretty skin and bones. Like, 
Um, <laughs> and he doesn't. And he doesn't really have that much ups either. Um, like that's the thing. Like Zeller doesn't really either. I mean, obviously he's white, but like he's tall. <laughs> he's big. Um, so like, yeah, I get it. Like just a guy who's cheap who you can work into the rotation. Um, Thon Maker has just been total sophomore slump this season. Um, so yeah, I mean, I get. I think I think it's um, it's a trade. It's a it's a very small trade that I think makes sense for both parties. Um, and and two, again, I hate I hate this for Milwaukee because the whole protected. Well, it's worse for first rounders, but the whole protected pick thing is is so cumbersome to your to your ability to make future trades. Um, like I understand why you why you do it, but or. You know, I mean, you do it because the other team that requests it. But um, the, the, you know, the, they set it up, and they have a incoming pick from um, Indiana that's a second rounder that's that's almost identical to this. Um, it conveys if it's 31 through 47. Now, I'm not sure how long the um, the like time frame on that is, but essentially what that means is this pick will convey. Essentially, you know, whenever Milwaukee doesn't make the playoffs, um, they have a very, like I said, a very similar pick with Indiana, um, which I, you know, thought had a chance of conveying last year, um, but Miami just wasn't quite able to to get over the hump. Um, but it's a smart it's a smart play for them because it's not like you really need the pick now. So you put that that kind of strange protection on it. So when it does convey, it's actually a reasonable second rounder. Um, like if if you like, there's been players selected at you know in in the high 40s anyway. I think uh, Nikola Jokic was number 41. Um, so I mean it's rare, but you can you can hit on a player. You get in the 50s, it's super rare that you get an Isaiah Thomas. Like that's just it did. There, it almost never happens. So the the protection I think that the Nets installed on that pick is super super smart. Um, and again, this is why I really really like Sean Marks. Um, I, I think in in our um, uh, uh, half of the season awards, uh, I think uh, I, I didn't I didn't name him my GM of the year, but I certainly had to give him a shout out because he has done a remarkable job at making something out of nothing with with that Nets team. Yeah, that Nets team has been uh performing very well. Uh more so than as, what we as thought. Predicted they would be. by by both you and me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just we saying. didn't think that they'd be hot we didn't think they would be hot garbage. We just <laughs> we didn't think they'd be right. a playoff team either. But we didn't think they'd be the worst team in the well, uh, in, in the NBA. The thing. They've they've overperformed despite missing Russell for half the year and Lynn being out for the whole year, for the entire year. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, and, I, yeah. and and Spencer Dinwiddie is the reason why that dude is straight up balling. Like, yes, he th- is. That that cat like. He, uh, I will be hugely shocked if, uh, I mean, unless the Nets trade him, which I think is a possibility because, you know, they're still fishing for draft picks and he is such a valuable, valuable commodity because he's just so good and so cheap 
and he's he's signed on through next season. But if they if they do want to keep him, I will be shocked if he doesn't get at the very least an an, an offer uh, for a contract extension next season, so they can sure him let up. Me, um, for the let me let me ask you this real quick. What is sure. just off the top of your head? Just off the top of your head, um, how flexible do you think Brooklyn's cap is right now? Like, could they sign? It, and I'm not talking like a, a LeBron, but could they sign like a, a really good player? They could sign a reasonably good player. They don't have max cap space next season mm-hmm. because they took on Mozgov's contract. Um, but they do have a few. Gotcha. But they do have a few expiring contracts. They have uh, Nick Stauskas will be coming off the books. J- Jalil Okafor will be coming off the books. Um, there's some some lesser contracts in there like um, uh, Joe Harris, um, the aforementioned Rashad Vaughn. Um, so that, I mean, I just off the top of my head, I feel like they'll have maybe. Fifteen million dollars in cap room, so like that's the thing. Like fifteen million dollars wouldn't have got you shit in 2016, but like now that everybody's already signed all these shitty contracts, like that could get you a a pretty damn good player. Now the thing is, is you got to find the right player. Brooklyn really needs is you know a guy who can play the three and the four because they're so thin there. Um, they have Damari Carroll. They, they have um, they they traded Booker, so they don't have him anymore. He was more of a four or five guy, um, but they're very they're very thin on their wing. Um, Joe Harris can play the three. Um, obviously, um, a Hollis Jefferson can play. He is a three. Um, so they 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 have like a few guys, but they don't have as much. Quincy AC, he's another one. He's he's a pretty good player for them. Um, but they, they, that's that's really what they need is a, is a solid wing player to add into that rotation. Well, um, that's, that's what I was going to say. If, if you're the net, I know you're thinking, you know, any really good assets that we have uh, is, is as low as that is with, with Lynn being out and, you know, D'Angelo Russell being in and out of the lineup. Um, if I'm the net, because those picks are going to be so hard to get because you don't have that many uh, movable assets, I would honestly, because if you look at this team, it's doing well over what anybody thought they would be doing. I would Except you and me, but overpay. yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> I would go and not necessarily overpay, but uh, spend a good amount on one of those really, really, really decent players that can kind of help turn around the, the organization. And then once you really get uh, a lot of, you then go out and make, uh, of course, again, like a LeBron or a Clay Thompson, and no one's going to Brooklyn. But you no, can find something really good in between this free agency and next year's free agency you that you what, can maybe go and pull out to help you know get what that I team, do? I don't know, 30 wins. You know, yeah. You know what I would do? I would use all of my cap space to sign one guy to a one-year deal because expiring contracts are so valuable um, so like, let's, okay, let me throw this out. Let's say JJ Redick, um, you know, doesn't, doesn't stay in, in Philly. Um, he, he, I, I forget how I know this, but he loves Brooklyn. Like either he's from Brooklyn or he lived there for, I don't, I don't know why, but he loves Brooklyn. So let's say you, you just give like 
J.J. Redick a $15 million one-year deal. Um, like, that's the kind of thing that you could trade, like, to a team. Like, okay, for instance, I threw this out, like, I think last week. Um, I think it would be super smart uh, if, if you know, um, if uh, uh, Portland wants to move C.J. McCollum to trade him to Philly for J.J. Redick and, like, a shit ton of draft picks. Um, because JJ Reddick's an expiring contract, like that's that's what's smart about signing these like one year deals, and you're even seeing it with like Atlanta um, shopping Deadman and trying to shop Ilyasova, even though he's got like this weird uh, like ability to veto a trade, um, as as did Miritich. Um but like those are valuable. Like you can overpay a guy if you only sign him for one year. Um, and then trade it, take back a little income that, you know, another team doesn't want and, you know, get assets for it. Um, so that might be, you know, my kind of play is somebody like Reddick. I mean, I know that doesn't really fit the the scheme of, of what I was talking about, but, like, you know, it, it, like there's going to be so many guys who want to get paid who aren't going to be able to get paid who would probably be willing to sign a one-year $15 million contract you know, because, you know, once 2019 and 2020 hit, that all those other contracts are coming off the books, and so teams get more money, and then, you know, so they might, you know, be willing to sign a one-year deal. Um, so that, that's probably the, the route that I would take if I was Brooklyn. Um, but I, I, mean, I guarantee you this, whatever Sean Marks does is going to be the right decision because that guy makes great decisions. Yeah, I mean, all I'm saying is if you're the Nets, you're only, you know, you don't have to only, you know, sell away Dimwitty to, to get picks and then tank to maybe try to get uh, a, a higher draft pick. You can end the season on a strong note, and then what you can do is you can go get a guy that can help maybe get you to 25 to maybe 30, 34 wins uh, next year sure. and build that way. Because honestly, yeah, and with a, draft a lot of reform these, happening, teams, there's less incentive to tank. Exactly. And the problem with a lot of these organizations, they feel as though the best way to lure talent is to get nice young guys that they can build with. Yeah, your only issue is a lot of these guys that are becoming free agents nowadays, well, not nowadays, but uh, coming year or two, most of these guys are veterans. So, like, they don't want to come from a winning situation that maybe they're not winning as much now to a situation where they have to completely rebuild. Like, they don't want to have to come in and do stuff like that. So if you're a team that looks decent enough to where they can take you from 15 to, I don't know, 34, maybe 40, that's different. But if you're telling me you were a team that won 15 games last year and all the pieces that they maybe could have worked with are gone and now all they have is a bunch of young guys and scrubs, they're not going to want to come there and resurrect that franchise. So a a better chance at trying to – not saying you will, but a better chance at trying to get – some of these guys would be to um, not look so horrible, like surround right. it with, with, you know, okay players that these guys can come in and say, all right, well, I could definitely take this team from, what did they win, 15 to 20 last year? I could try to make that 34 to 40. And then, you know, the year after that, maybe they have a lot of cap space where we can really go get someone and take this up a whole nother level. Sure. So I just think a, yep. lot of, a lot of these teams' approaches aren't the best approach, and it shouldn't be let's tank 
or or not not even tank like you were just saying. Let's you know let's build through young guys. That's great because I was just saying don't think three, think ten. That's great, but you can get young guys with you know a core group and then bring in a superstar instead of surrounding that superstar with nothing but young guys. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, you need veterans. Like I mean, just just look at at Philly right now. They're you know, they're not. I I was even they're not playing as well as their talent is. Exactly. I was even going to go a step further and say, if you're the Lakers, um, although yeah. you wouldn't turn down a, a, a LeBron James or a Paul George, if you look at the way these guys have been playing recently, you could build a, you know, again, I, I use dynasty somewhat loosely, but you could build right. something truly special with this young core that you have that you don't, you don't, you don't really, you're not desperate for a huge star because you have three stars in the making already right. on your team. So you just need yeah. to, now that you have that young group, just build with that. You don't necessarily have to change everything and go get a LeBron mm-hmm. to build, to bring legitimacy to that team. Your fan base is rallying around these young guys that are doing great things at an early stage. So to me, yeah. you just surround them with a few veterans and you can really build that team up to being something truly special. Do you know who did that? Golden State Warriors. They had Cray right. Young, Steph Young, Draymond Young. What did they surround them with? Role players and veterans, and you see what that team blossomed into. Yep. I look at they Ingram, surrounded them with Sean um, Livingston, Andre Iguodala, Andre Iguodala. Bogut, if you look right. at if you look at Lonzo Ball, um, Brandon Ingram, and Kyle Kuzma, that could be your next Steph, Clay, and Draymond. So all sure. you need to do is kind of follow that recipe a little bit. And you'll be fine. You don't need to go out there and get a Durant while you're already building yeah. your, your new and Warriors team. You can wait and have a, have a guy like that want to come there instead of you kind of just dumping everything and, and pitching him kind of nothing. Make them desperately right. want to come there because you're building success rather than sunny here and it's L.A. Like, no, want them to come there because you're winning, not because you want yes. them to build a winning culture. That's just kind of how I look at it. Yeah, no, I agree, and and um, I think uh, the news. Well, uh, two things. One, I would I would throw in Josh Hart into that uh, into that core of guys because I look at Josh Hart like a. Oh man, uh, what would I compare him to? Like a like a Doug Christie, like not a guy mm. who's who's ever going to be an all star, but like just a great role player. I think Josh Hart has got that written all over him. I, the guy's been playing great lately. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm really high on him. I think I, – and, and, and here's the other thing. The Lakers draft so well. Like, they yeah. make great draft picks. Like, just look at this past season. Um, yeah, I know people want to talk shit about Lonzo Ball, but, like, Lonzo Ball has, has made that team better. When he's on the court, they're better than when he's off the court, first of all. And secondly, yep. um, like, Kyle Kuzma at 27 is a fucking steal. Josh Hart at 30 is, is like, that's a great pick at that in that range. Um, and, you know, we don't know what Thomas Bryant is yet, but, like, I'd be willing to bet he, he's, he's a solid backup center um, for his career. I, I you know, I, who knows, but, like, they just they, – they pick so well. Um but uh but also like um 
uh, I'm sure you were kind of as, as 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 far as just somebody you know. I feel like neither of us are Lakers fans per se, but we you know we like to see your Boston's and your Lakers like have good teams because it's good for the league. Um, and right. so like to hear you know them come out and say you know we're you know maybe going to be looking at um, 2019. Um, instead of going all in this year. And I think a lot of that is circumstance. Obviously, DeMarcus Cousins went down. Um, so, like, as we discussed last week, it's, it's, it's like, really hard to see a team offering him a max contract um, with, you know, that kind of, that kind of injury. Um, you know, so I, I think that, you know, is at play. The fact that Paul George it seems to really be content in OKC and – you know, the fact that, you know, they may not be able to get him. Um, and if you don't get either one of those guys, you don't get LeBron. Um, it, like, I, I was really happy to see that they, they recently kind of came out. Uh, uh, Woj and Ramona uh, had an article about them, you know, pretty much just being like, we're comfortable with standing pat and waiting for 2019 when, you know, potentially Jimmy Butler – um, and Clay Thompson and Kawhi Leonard hit the market. Like, I, to me, that makes so much more sense than trying to force something like now. Because a, your 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 stretch option on Luol Deng gets a lot easier. Your ability to trade Luol Deng gets a lot easier because he's only got two years instead of three. Um, and like you you kind of buy yourself some time to, to for this this young team to gel a little bit more and to look more attractive to, you know, potential free agents. So, I, I mean, do you kind of feel the same way about it that I do? Like, I, do you like hearing that they're, they've kind of changed, somewhat changed their approach and that they're now, you know, relatively comfortable with waiting uh, to try and make any kind of big splash moves to 2019? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm 100% with you, but you know, uh, when it comes to this Lakers, uh, this Lakers young young core, you know, I'm I'm the rare person that does not want them to go out and get one of these huge names, only because I feel as though the only person that would help make these young guys better, even though it would kind of still stunt Lonzo, is LeBron because he's a facilitator, so he's looking to make others better. Rather than See, I think boogie. I think a healthy boogie would be great for him. Like I just well, because well, yes. I think yes. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say like I think if boogie hadn't gotten hurt, he would have been the guy that I would have gone all in on. Um, but like, I would so much rather have Clay Thompson than either for for this particular team than either Paul George or. Um, or LeBron, especially LeBron, because LeBron's old. Um, like, I mean, he doesn't play like right. he's old, but he is. So, like, yeah. um, as, a, as for an NBA player. Um, and, and Clay. like, Clay is from L.A. Like, I know it's a long shot that you that you actually, you know, land him, but, like, that is the guy that I would want, like, more than anybody else because he's such a 3-and-D guy. I think he would pair so great with Lonzo. Um like, I mean, I just think that would be such a dynamic duo. They both can defend well. They both have length. Um, 
like Lonzo would set him up all the time. He would get so many wide open shots. Like I mean, he already does get a shit ton, but like he'd get even more of them with a guy like Lonzo who's like just looking to get him open shots. Where you know, whereas you know Curry is is more looking to take open shots. Um, or, you know, even contested shots because he can, you know, make contested shots from 35 feet away. Um, but, uh, like I said, I know it's a long shot, but, like, here's the thing. Like, you know, if, if you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, you never know how the landscape can change. Um, you know, maybe, maybe by, you know, next season, Houston picks up LeBron and maybe Clay is looking at the landscape like, yeah, I think I'd rather go play with these young guys in L.A. I think I could, I could, like, help develop them into a championship team. Yeah, I mean, it's just like nobody really predicted LeBron leaving Miami, but he did. So there's a lot of reasons why I, I, I think this is a very, very smart play for, for L.A. to just be patient. Um, no one's expecting, like, you – it's like ma- magic and and Rob Palenka, probably more magic than Rob, um, are the ones who's like set up these crazy high expectations. Like nobody really expected you to be able to land these guys, except for like you know biased diehard Lakers fans. Um, but even they're going to give you a pass. Like you don't have to make everything happen in one year's time. Like you get you get a little time, um, and then you know once you really take control of this franchise and you can get Dang out of the way, and you know you can you know maybe move Clarkson. Uh, at that point, just make smart decisions from there, and you'll be fine. Yeah, no, I mean honestly, Clay Thompson is is the perfect guy for them. Uh, back to what you were saying about Clay. Um, because he's not one of those you got to give me the ball for me to be effective mm. kind of guys. So right. he can play defense. Really, really good well, off ball player. He's an off the ball. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He's an amazing off the ball player. And if you look at a lineup of Lonzo, Clay, uh, Ingram, Ingram, Kuzma, because you can't Kuzma. keep bringing him off the bench, Kuzma, right. and then whoever you can get at the five. Even like if you, you even if you resign Julius Randle, or even that. Or if you can yeah, find like, a way to still make DeMarcus Cousins work, that team yeah. right there, that that the Lakers have gone from no time to showtime would be back with with a lineup yeah. like that. So all I'm saying mm-hmm. is, if you're the Lakers, you got to go with what I was saying before. Think ten, not three. So let these guys develop because they're developing really fast. Like Ingram, Ingram, I think has only been in the league like a year and a half. Uh, yeah. I think he was a he was a rookie last year. Lonzo is new. Yeah. Uh, outside of injury issues, he's shown you he can be an amazing facilitator and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, and play a good creator defender. and a really good defender. And you got Kuzma, who's come out, who's who came out the gate just, just balling, fully ready to go. Fully that guy is go. so good. Like it's crazy how good he is. Like he's so just like, the intensity. Yeah. No, no, I was just saying, if you're the Lakers, yeah, plan for 2019, but don't make a move for Kawhi. Because you don't need a Kawhi is what I'm saying. You have Ingram. If you get a Kawhi, that's you telling Ingram you have no faith in him. So keep Yeah, and Ingram. that's the same thing as getting Paul George and LeBron. Like, I agree. That's, that's I my agree. problem. Like, if you're going to get one of those guys, then 
you, you trade Ingram to get, you know, dang off your books and, and acquire one of those guys. But, like, again, like, I'm with you. Like, why do that? Like, don't, don't, like, I, I get the notion that, like, if you can get a Paul George or you can get a LeBron James, you don't say no to that. I get it. But at the same time, that like, you'd be way better off getting a Clay Thompson and getting a Boogie Cousins and pairing those guys with the guys, the young guys you already have. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, I completely you know what they agree. Say, man. Great and like I, yep. like I said, to me, because, you know, obviously me and Joel are Nick fans and we've had to suffer since Ewing retired. Um, yeah. But, you know, when you look at these franchises, it's just smarter to plan for, especially in, I can't hit this point uh, any harder. You have young guys that have progressed in a year or or two of being in the NBA. You like that is so rare. That is just rare. So when you get it, you don't then bring in a guy at the same position that now either right. the star or the rookie has to play out of position. And now you're messing up the entire formula of, of what could possibly make this kid great. So you get you get two positions that you don't currently have. That's a two, and that's a five. So your mindset should only be on DeMarcus Cousins, Clay Thompson. You do not need another yeah, and, point guard or a facilitator, and you do not need another um, another three because you have Ingram. So if you're the right, Lakers, and it's a risk. Let's start lineup. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, at the risk of anybody saying, you know, we're, we're, we've evolved in, into positionless basketball, you're, you're like, yes, you're not entirely wrong. We, we have, like, in Paul George and Ingram could work. Like, like essentially, they, they'd both be two and a half. Like, I mean, that, that could, could potentially work. But, like, I, I think, you know, what, what Juwan and I are getting at is, though it could work, wouldn't Clay Thompson just be a better like he plays equally great defense he is probably a slightly better shooter he he doesn't create as well for himself but he's probably slightly better off ball um like he scored 60 points in three quarters once like the the guy is a straight (laughs) baller and like I just as far as fit is concerned I just feel like Clay would be a little better than Paul George um, and you know, uh, I mean, like, like, like I said, if you can get Paul George, yes, you do it 100%, like no questions, but I do think Clay would just be so much better as a fit than a Paul George, um, given his, his kind of natural instinct to play the two, um, and the guard twos and even the guard ones, like it, there's just I, it, I get the difference is is, is small, but I, I think it would be um, two things. I think it, the difference, though being small, would be somewhat significant um, in game to game play. And I also think, like I was saying earlier, if you give this core time to progress, um, you, you're in a better you're in a better position to sell it to a free agent where I don't think you're necessarily in the best position to sell your team to free agents this year, but you know, maybe next year you will be. Well, I look at it like this. 
if you're a free agent, um, there's not going to be a big jump between this year and next year as far as what this team can accomplish. So you have to look at it like this. If I go in, like if I go in, if I'm a free agent this year and I go to the Lakers, do I feel as though with that great core of, uh, of three that they have, can I place myself in there and elevate that team? Because a year isn't going to change uh, how great those three players are. So that's, that's just one of those things that's just not going to change. Could their record change for the better a little bit? Sure. But we, we're not thinking the Lakers are going to be uh, necessarily a playoff or a playoff threat kind of team going into next year. So the way I no. look at it is, if you're a free agent, you're Even number you one thing. Even if you get Paul George, you're not, I still don't think you make the playoffs. Exactly. So if you're a free agent this year, when you're looking at the Lakers, you have to think of it like this. If I – if you place me into that team now, could I make a difference on that team? And I think the way that that, that core three has been playing, yeah, you could. But to me, if I'm the Lakers, I kind of want to build off of this young core that I have, see what I can do in the draft this year, see if maybe I can get a well, you don't have, uh, you're, you're pick, oh, that's true. You don't have right, your pick. You're right. Yeah. You're right. But yeah, nevertheless, right. like, even um, still, like, here's the thing, like, again, and I will hit this, nail as hard as I possibly can, um, you know, until it finally drives into the board. Like, don't be so stingy with, like, um, with uh, Julius Randle. Like, you're not going to get great value for him. I get that. But I still feel like if you, at worst-case scenario, you could trade him to Brooklyn for the Toronto pick, which is like 28, 27, 28, um, trade him to Brooklyn, get the Toronto pick, uh, and Nick Celsius, who's an expiring, um, because I, I really do think he would be like a, a really good fit in Brooklyn. Um, or, you know, you could, you could trade him to Indiana, um, which I think would honestly be even better. Um, I'm just not sure Indiana would want to give up such a like middle quality first rounder. Um, but like, it, like you could you could work yourself into the draft is what I'm saying. And with you know, if you can get a late first rounder or even an early second rounder, um, I mean, like potentially, I'm not saying that I would do it as a Hawks fan. But like, if you offered, say, you know, the Hawks Julius Randle and wanted to take back the Houston pick. Maybe the Hawks, or maybe even the Hawks' second rounder, which would, I think, at worst, be like thirty-three. Um, so, like, there, there, there are trades to be made for Julius Randle, as long as your asking price isn't too high. Um, so, I mean, I think that's that's one of the biggest things with them. As far as as far as Clarkson, I just, I, I really think you just keep him. Um, this is not a market for him right now. So you just keep them and, and, you know, work something out either in the draft or next year or the year after maybe even. So, um, but yeah, they're, I, I, I am glad to see that they are finally kind of wising up and saying, you know, maybe we were a little short-sighted in saying, you know, we're going to go after two max guys. And one more thing about the Lakers. 
Marcus Smart just hit the, the trading block, and we'll talk about this probably in, in a little bit, depending on how much time we have. Um, but Marcus Smart just hit the trading block, and my, my instinct is that he'll be traded. Uh, the Celtics reportedly won a first-rounder. Um, I think there's a million ways that Danny Ainge can make that work, um, and I think he probably will. Like, if the Lakers had just stood pat and not said anything about their fucking plans this whole season, uh, and, and they could have, like, played Julius Randle, and he's been playing well lately as kind of their backup center and even starting center as of recently because Lopez is getting less and less minutes. Um, you could have, if, if teams didn't know you were so desperate to get rid of Julius Randle, your offers would be way better. Like, Boston is, is the perfect example of that. I don't think going into this season, I don't think they had any intention of keeping Marcus smart um, because they have Terry Rozier. They don't want to commit too much to the, to the cap, and they just don't see Marcus smart as long-term for their team. Um, so, like, they drop that they are, you know, interested in possibly trading him for, you know, a first-round pick. At the trade deadline, like a week before the trade deadline, like that's how you make decisions. Those are the things that Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka have to learn how to do um, because announcing, announcing that you want to sign two max guys in free agency to get your fan base hyped is it's all fine and good for your fan base, but it is utterly stupid, uh, you know, given that now every other exec in the league n- knows what your bottom line is. So um, I, I, that's, that's one thing that kind of concerns me about the Magic. That and, you know, Magic Johnson's tampering, even though the most recent tampering with Giannis, that, that, that's fucking stupid. Um, but let's let's not go there. Uh, let's move on because we only got about 40 minutes left. We got uh, one more topic, and then we're gonna we're gonna talk some trade deadline deals. Uh, Lou Williams and the Clippers have agreed to a three-year contract extension worth 24 million dollars, uh, but with only 1.5 million dollars guaranteed in the final year. Um, so this effectively this takes uh, Lou Williams off the trade market because if they're going to extend a guy, they can't then trade him. Um, uh, just what are your thoughts on this extension, Joanna? Well, actually, I thought uh, it was smart for them because it helps you to trade him next year. Um, it doesn't sure. help you to trade him this year because you can't, like you just said, but you absolutely can trade him next year. And the biggest thing we said last week is teams That's like to know what they man. have to – teams like to know what they have to pay a player. So if a guy just got a brand-new contract, they know exactly how to fit that contract into their books. And it's a lot easier to unload a guy like that rather than a guy who's becoming a free agent and now he sets his his mark instead of you having a mark that you just have to maintain. So if you're the Clippers, it's it's a really good sign. Um, What I think they're trying to do for their fan base is say, listen, we're not in full tank mode. Look, we just kept Lou Williams. But then if you're – 
you're a fan, you're like, but you're probably going to get rid of DeAndre Jordan or he's going to leave, and you just got rid of Blake. So, bullshit. I don't know, so, man. I think I he's going to opt in. Who, Blake? I mean, uh, DeAndre? DeAndre. I think DeAndre will. I, I think he'll opt in. I'll say this. I'll say this. I'll say the same thing about this team that I said uh, this year for next year. Now, this is without any pieces being added to this team of any huge, uh, you know, a huge notion or whatever. I still don't think that team makes the playoffs. So, to me, no. it's like, well, why not sell? Sell now so you can get uh, the draft pick so you yeah. can start to build well, that right. that team back up. But, Juwan, I think – I do think this, though. For, well, two things. One – you still have to find the right trade for DeAndre. You don't want to take back salary. Like, you like you don't want to take back Tristan Thompson's contract for DeAndre, um, unless you're getting the Brooklyn pick. Um, in which case, like, yeah, I'd probably take it. But, yeah, let's be honest. Like, the, the, is, is, is green as Kobe Altman is, I don't think he's he's dumb enough to, to trade the Brooklyn pick for DeAndre Jordan. I just I don't see that happening. Um, and if he was going to trade DeAndre Jordan or if he was going to trade for DeAndre Jordan and Lou Williams, like, cause you, you can make an argument for trading Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith for DeAndre Jordan and Lou Williams and the Brooklyn pick. Um, but if that was going to happen, it would have happened. Obviously it's not going to happen because they wouldn't have signed Lou Williams if it was going to happen. But, you brought up a super interesting point uh, that I I honestly didn't even think of. Like, like now that you've re-signed him, that you've given him an extension, and not like an egregious one, like $8 million a year for the next three years, plus the third year you can you, you can buy him out for $1.5 million. So, like, that's a great little protection on that contract. Um, now you just let him play out the year, let him keep balling because he has been balling, and and trade him draft night, like try to move up. Like you have currently, you have Detroit's pick and you have your own pick. Like you could package those, move up in the draft, um, and you have Lou Williams as a tradable asset. Like that's a lot of tradable assets um, for the Clippers. Uh, I don't know. I I think given that nugget. Uh, the contract extension makes total sense because your market was I, – I don't think you were going to get a first-rounder for him given he was an expiring contract. Now, like if you trade him next year, maybe you do get a first-rounder like just because A, teams can, can get him in in the summer and really work him into that team and not you know be in a crunch to fit him in. And also, uh, like, he, he, he signed a, such a relatively reasonable contract. So I think it's a brilliant signing uh, by them. And, like, you can just see Jerry West, like, coming in and just making all these great decisions for this team, and I love it. I wish yeah, Jerry no, West would come to Atlanta. <laughs> Bring him to the Knicks. Or fuck uh, it. Yeah, yeah. No. I was going to say, even the Knicks, uh, just just for you and you and Joel. <laughs> yeah, but no. All, 
in all seriousness, yeah. That, I mean, if you're the Clippers, you, you definitely gave yourself a lot of options by re-signing him. And for no – for no, uh, not even for one second did I think uh, Lou Williams would actually be there through the entirety of that contract. I think it was only because it helps, along with the fact that he is balling tremendously. It helps you uh, – like you said, you can even, instead of waiting until around this time next year – why not just do it at draft night where a lot of teams are, are looking for a veteran, a really good veteran piece like that, especially at a bargain deal like that. Um, you know, they'd be more interested in the idea of maybe trading uh, their, their spot in the draft to get a player like that. So if you're the Clippers, you definitely got yourself in a really good position uh, moving forward. I'll tell you this. If I'm Lou, a- if, if, if I'm Lou Williams, I like, I'm like calling my agent and being like, "Really, eight eight million dollars? That's all I could get?" Like, I don't know. Honestly, man. I, my my biggest question was, if you're Lou Williams, you got to know you're you're more valuable than eight million. So I'm really right. curious as to what the climate was around the league of Lou Williams if he thought he had to sign uh, if he thought he had to sign now rather than telling them, "Nah, you guys got to wait. Let me see what it." Because every year, Nick, Nick, every year we have a team that is stupid enough to overpay a good player. So right. picture what they would do with a really good player. So it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like I'm really curious to why he was so quick to signing his name on the dotted line without actually testing the market. I think he loves L.A. I think that's what it is. He was, he was yeah. really upset when the Lakers traded him, really happy to get back to L.A., when he was he was traded to the Clippers, um, so I think it boils down to that. But like, like we just said, like you just open yourself up to be traded, like at the beginning of next season. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. At and the honestly, very least, you should have waited until the off season to to, to negotiate that extension so that they couldn't trade you um, at least for a little while. I mean, I was even going to say, to, to take it to a, a little bit of a different level than what, you, you know, you were just saying, I would have waited until the off season because that's how you can kind of uh, strong-arm them for more money. Because you mm-hmm. can go, well, listen, if you guys don't want to keep me, which Clippers wouldn't have entered that bidding war, um, you know, you got to go to where the money is. Because I'm telling you now, this team's not keeping you through the entirety of that new contract. I wouldn't even say he plays a full year into that contract before they trade him off somewhere. So it's one of those things where if you're Lou Williams, I hope it was worth it, man. God bless you going forward. Eight million. Yeah. Yeah, well, and and to give just a a slight bit of context, next year Austin Rivers will make $12.65 million. Yeah. You're making making $4.65 million less than Austin Rivers, bro. Like, yep, that's crazy. That is so crazy. But, but still, a, like, great, great fucking move for the Clippers. The Clippers is like they've yeah. like been on fire. Like you re-sign yeah. Blake, and then you 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 trade him for Tobias Harris, who only has two more years. You, and you like aside from signing Danilo Gallinari, which was stupid. They should have never done that. They should have. Honestly, they should have just held on to that Houston pick um, and uh, bought out Jamal Crawford because 
his, his buyout from the Hawks, it's not that bad. Like, it hasn't hurt us. So, like, it, that was not a smart move. But, like, as far as, you know, what they've done since then, like, signing Blake and then trading him, getting a first-rounder, Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley, maybe you can move Avery Bradley. Um, like, it's just super smart. And, like, as far as going into the 2019 season, the only three players you now have, or I guess four players that you have on the books, is Jawan Evans, Sundarius Thornwell, the two young guys that they, in fact, bought in the draft because they didn't have any draft picks. Also very smart. Um, uh, you have Gallinari, which is unfortunate. Um, and now Lou Williams. So, like, they have so much flexibility, which is just, like, that's one of the things that uh, Travis Schling, uh, the Hawks GM, like, wants desperately. It's just flexibility. It's like you have the ability to do so many things. You can take on bad contracts if the draft picks are right. You can sign players, uh, you know, you can slightly overpay people because you have the cap room to do it. Like, there's just, there's so many reasons why cap flexibility is so important right now. And Jerry West gets it. And Jerry West was like, yeah, that, that's what we're going to do. Um, and I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's fucking brilliant. And this Lou Williams extension is just another like cog in that wheel as far as them just being super smart. Um, but let's move on. Yes, we got, let's, Let's let's make some trade deadline deals. Let's start with Cleveland because we all know Cleveland needs needs to make a move. So I'm going to throw a few few things out there, um, and then I'll throw it back to you. First things first, I think um, Isaiah Thomas is nothing more than an expiring contract at this point, uh, in my opinion. Um, I think that one of the First, like the, the the first fucking move I would make is I would go get Kent Bazemore. Like I know Kent Bazemore is overpaid, but like you, your team desperately needs a starting shooting guard who can hit shots and play defense, and Kent Bazemore is that to a T. He is the perfect, um, the perfect role player to kind of go with LeBron. Um, also. Dwayne Dedman would also be a great fit for them. Seven-footer can guard the paint. is like 37, 38% from three-point range. Um, loves those corner threes. Like, he's a guy who can spread your floor and, and just do so much. So what I'm going to propose in order to get him is you – basically you get Bazemore – you get Deadman, and you give up Amon Shumpert, Channing Fry, um, Isaiah Thomas, and maybe the Miami second rounder if if the Hawks push you on that. No more than that. I honestly don't even think it would take a draft pick just because the Hawks want to get out from underneath Bazemore's contract so bad. Um, this would also cut, I think, about – Two to three million dollars off your payroll, um, and 
I don't know. I just think I think that would be. I think it's like two million, but that would be such a good trade um, for the Cavs, and it could set you up for a lot of different positions to move forward. What are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, it would it would help. It would definitely help both teams. Uh, they desperately need a guy like Bazemore. Um, and any trade that involves Cleveland that gets Isaiah out of there, I think is the greatest trade Cleveland could ever have pulled off. Um, but, yeah, no, I definitely think that helps a lot. Uh, Deadman also to help clog up that paint. And um, and Bazemore's scoring, and, and, and he actually can defend also, but his scoring can help them out tremendously. I'm looking at the game now. I know you're watching it too, this uh, Timberwolves and um, – in Cleveland game, and they desperately need some form of defense from somebody on that team. So yeah, yeah, and that's and that's the thing in a nutshell is like Jared Smith, Lamont Shumpert, like Kyle Korver, Dwayne Wade. None of those guys are A plus defenders anymore. Like nope, there's not like, um, and the, you know Bazemore would be a guy who could come in, play defense, he could guard the number one backcourt player. Um, and I just I just think he would be a good fit. Okay. Trade number two. I think um, just – I'm going to keep this as simple as possible. Um, I think that if you could swap Kevin Love for Damian Lillard and offer uh, swap rights, to the Blazers for the Nets pick. So essentially, you would be getting Damian Lillard and the Blazers pick. The Blazers would be getting Kevin Love and the Nets pick. I think it alleviates a little bit of having to lose the Nets pick by getting the Blazers pick. Um, and I just think Damian Lillard, like if you had Damian Lillard, Kent Bazemore, LeBron James, uh, um, uh, Jay Crowder, and Dwayne Dedman, like, that would be really good. And the thing is, Kevin Love is, is really good, and you're, and you're probably, by moving Kevin Love and that Brooklyn pick, you're probably giving up a little too much to get um, Damian Lillard. But, like, Kevin Love is not helping you beat Golden State. Like, maybe if Jay Crowder, like, actually steps up and plays – a monicum of defense, and you get Damian Lillard as your second option, as your clear second option um, with LeBron. Uh, and he's the kind of guy who actually can play like Kyrie. Um, you got Bazemore who can play defense and hit, you know, those wide open threes. You got Deadman who can clog the paint and, like, spread the floor. Um, you know, I, I know it sucks to lose love, but, like, your defense gets a little better, like, by having, like, you know Jeff Green and and uh, and and Jay Crowder play the four. Um, I I don't know. I think I think that would be my my first option for Cleveland. You know what are your what are your thoughts on that trade? Do you think Cleveland's maybe given up a little too much? Do you think you know maybe Portland's like I'm not giving up Damian Lillard? Um, I don't think Portland's ready to give up Damian Lillard. I think they think they can maybe go out either in the off season or maybe even by the trade trade deadline uh, of this year 
and try to put something around Dame and uh in CJ. But if you're Cleveland, there is nothing on that roster outside of LeBron James that is too important that you can't lose to get Damian Lillard. Right. Um so I think for I think for them that's that's perfect. Um I don't like Love in uh is it Nurchik or Yoke? It's Nurchik, right? Nurkic. 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 I don't like yeah, those so two together. Defensive uh, well, here's 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 my suggestion for that, because um, Ed Davis has actually been outplaying Nurkic lately. Um, I would trade Nurkic, I, like I would just like try to like I, honestly say trade him to uh, Dallas for their second round pick. Like if you're mm. Dallas, like you 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 get a guy who you know you have like. He's a restricted free agent, so you know you can resign. Um, you're not going to bring back Nerlens Noel because, for whatever reason, he and Carlisle just don't mesh. Um, I think Nurkic yeah. could fit very well in Dallas. It's worth giving up a second round pick for, um, and you know they have the cap room to to take him on. And then if you're Portland, like like Ed Davis is just a, a better defender, um, it, like he he just is. Um, so I I think you would go with a lineup of probably McCollum and Evan Turner in your backcourt, and then Harkless, uh, Aminu, uh, or or Vonley, one or the other, and Ed Davis as your five. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, that, uh, that Kevin, de- Kevin Love would be your four. Excuse me. Kevin Love, and then uh, uh but yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say that that could definitely work. Um, and if you could find a way to do all that, my only issue is, and I know I'm digging a little too deep into this. Um, if you're C.J. McCollum, if they just let Damian Lillard go, if I'm C.J. McCollum. I kind of don't want to go through a, a soft. It'd be a very soft reboot for for that organization. Yeah, um, but I wouldn't want to be a part of that. Here's my thing, either. though. Well, here's my thing. I think if you're gonna let one of them go, you make it Damian Lillard. Because I think Oh, C. no, C. I, McCollum, I definitely agree. Uh, yeah, I think C.J. McCollum... Hey, I, I, I like C.J. McCollum more than I like Damian Lillard. Um, I just... I don't know. He was on my fantasy team one year, so maybe call it bias. Um, but... I was going like, to say, I, I, we'd have to have an argument about that, but go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I, I, yeah, I just, I, I just... I don't know why. I, I just like the guy. I mean, he scored 50 points in three quarters, like, you know, a week ago, um, but like he's just <laughs> he's he's just like a, a a really soft-spoken, awesome, like just smart player. Um, I think Lillard is is better like athletically and probably skill-wise, but not much. And I think CJ McCollum's smarter. Um, I think he's a lot smarter. Um, and I just. I I don't know. I if if I had to pick and and not to mention, um hey, nice. Uh, Cleveland just won. <laughs> that was that was pretty fucking amazing. Um but uh but no, like I, I, I just think I I would keep McCollum, but anyway, um shit, I that, that 
Sorry, I was caught up in the Cleveland game. It made me lose my train of thought. Yeah, um, but uh, but no. Anyway, like to 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 like bring it all back in. Um, I I think that would be a smart trade for both teams. Um, if you're if you're if you can have McCollum Love, who is from Oregon, like he 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 chose the number zero because for the O because he's from Oregon. Um, like he's expressed interest in the past with playing with Portland. Like if you could have those two players and you get that Nets pick, you can take the best player available. Um, there's, there's a lot of reasons why I think that could, that could be effective. Um, but let's say they are, are, are just like, no, we're not going to do that. Like we're, we're just, we're, we're not going to, you know, Take that, take that offer because we want to keep, you know, the Damian Lillard, T.J. McCollum backcourt together, and we're going to figure out other ways to make the team better. Um, I still think, I don't think George Hill makes you better than um, get Bazemore. I would try to trade Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, and the Cleveland first-round pick for George Hill and Zach Randolph. I don't know if Sacramento would take that. Um, they're certainly committing they're, – they're taking on more salary. Um, they're actually taking on less salary this year, uh, but more salary long-term. Um, but here's the thing. Like, George Hill and Zach Randolph are just preventing you from from developing your young players – uh, I, I I think they might take it. I mean, Jared Smith, he's got the the in in, in two years time he's got the the buyout for like three point eight seven million. That's not too bad. Tristan Thompson, unfortunately, is one hundred percent guaranteed contracts. So you're gonna have to keep him. Um, but I think you could possibly move Willie Cauley Stein for like a pick. Um, like I honestly think that would kind of be smart regardless of this trait for them because um, I, I don't really see Willie Cauley-Stein as like a, a, a great starting center. I think he's more of like a backup center um, on a good team. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think that would be kind of smart. If you're Cleveland, you're only having to give up your first-round pick. You get to keep the Nets pick, and you got a lineup of George Hill, Kent Bazemore, uh, LeBron James, Kevin Love, uh, Dwayne Dedman, and then coming off the bench, you got D Wade, uh, Kyle Korver, um, uh, Jeff Green, um, uh, Crowder, and Zach Randolph as your center. Like, it, and especially if you can move the contracts of Tristan Thompson and Jarrett Smith and take on George Hill and Zach Randolph, like, it, I get it, Zach Randolph's old as shit. Um, he's like 36. Um, and and George Hill is like thirty two, like it's not the ideal situation. But if if you get to keep the Brooklyn pick and you still have a competitive team, like that might be a route that they could go. That like at least it wants to give up the Brooklyn pick and they can still be competitive. What are your thoughts on that? Um yeah, uh, for Cleveland yeah that 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 definitely works because like I said you have to move around some of those pieces. Because uh, outside of that shocking win that they just had, the, the team, the team locker room is very toxic. Um, and yeah. let's let's not let's not uh, 
you know, and I'm not saying we were doing that, but let's not uh, snub our noses at Zach Randolph. He could still help a contender. Um, he's not somebody that's going to give you flashy numbers, but he helps in other ways. Um, so that would definitely be a really good uh, pickup for them. I told you I don't like George Hill. Uh, I never have. I never will. Um, but this year, uh, he's even though he's a, a longer defender than Isaiah Thomas, he doesn't play better defense. Uh, much better defense than Isaiah Thomas this year. I'm not talking about overall, just this year. Right. Um, yeah. So that doesn't help you defensively, but it will help you offensively. Um, and having Zach Randolph uh, definitely helps a lot also. So that that's definitely a good move for them. I think the Kings, um, if they can't buy out Zach um, uh, and, and just, you know, let him go, um, they'll be looking to take, uh, whatever the best offer is, and that would be one of the best offers that they would be able to get for for Zach Randolph. Yeah, especially at like twelve point three million dollars. Like, yeah. and he's signed for another year. Um, I think at you know twelve point seven or something like that, or uh, maybe thirteen point seven. I don't know, but like he, he at, I, I believe, I think his contract was twenty four million dollars for two years. Um, so I, I guess it would be like 11.7, like maybe it was a descending contract. Um, but nevertheless, like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it would be a good deal. Now let's talk, let's talk, um, there's been a lot of speculation about, uh, this ramped up in the past couple of days about them trading for Kimball Walker and Nick Batum. Um, and essentially, you know, the, the, the trade would involve, um, J.R. Smith. Tristan Thompson and Isaiah Thomas, maybe yeah, I think Charlotte would send back a, a cheap expiring contract to make sure they don't go over the um, uh, the luxury tax because obviously <laughs> they don't want to do that. Um, I don't like that. I I don't like taking on Nick Batum's contract. I think four years he's a good player, but four years at at, at that kind of pay is just is ridiculous to me. What, what do you think? I agree. I honestly would, if I'm Cleveland, um, part of that trade I would throw in um, Channing Fry to make the money work, and I would tell them I only want Kimba Walker and Dwight Howard. That's what I want in return. Um, yeah, well, and you wouldn't even somebody... have to throw in. You wouldn't even have to throw in uh, uh, Fry. Like, like if you had, like, Kim Walker and Dwight Howard $35.5 million, um, Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, and Isaiah Thomas together are, like, $36.4 million. Um, so you're actually cutting, you, you, like, you're almost saving a million dollars. And if you're Charlotte, you're $1.9 million dollars under the luxury tax, so you're not you're not in danger of going into the luxury tax. Um, yeah, I I think that's way better. But um, you know, what? Why do you think that's the better route? Um, because you need somebody that can uh, block up that paint, so guys aren't driving. Like guys are getting easy looks against Cleveland. If it's not yes, wide open are. threes, it's very easy strolls to the lane. Uh, I mean, Minnesota, albeit, is a really good team, but they just dropped that thing. It was like 139 or, or something like that. Like, that's inexcusable. 
inexcusable. Carl mm. um, Anthony Towns was destroying Tristan Thompson uh, down low. So, and I know a lot of people hear the name Dwight Howard and they go, oh, that guy? Yeah, well, that guy is still averaging a double-double. Like, that, yeah. that guy is, is, is still doing really good things in the NBA. No, it's not numbers like Anthony Davis or Kevin Durant or LeBron James or, or Westbrook, but for a guy his age coming off the, the kind of injuries that he has for his size, those are still really good numbers that he's putting off. Yeah. So Cleveland needs somebody like that desperately. Um, and he's, he's not really as much of a liability as far as free throws late in the game. Um, he's not, he hasn't overcome uh, being bad at the free throw line, but he's not as horrible as he was before. And, you know, the, the Kimball Walker piece is, is always something that uh, I'm sure Cleveland has looked at like, man, this guy could really help turn things around, and he can. Uh, but that piece that they should be looking to get should be Dwight Howard. They shouldn't let Hornets force them to take uh, Nicholas Patoon. Yeah, well, and my biggest thing, I somewhat agree with you as far as he is the better piece for them to acquire. Um, as far as on the court, but even bigger than that, what I'm, what I would be keen on, is he's only got a year left on his deal after this year. Batum has three years left on his deal after this year. Yeah. Um, at you know, twenty three to twenty six million dollars or whatever, however much his his salary ascends, um, I would so much rather have Dwight Howard. Um, because of that alone, like I like if LeBron leaves, I don't want to be stuck with Nick Batum for the next three years, making twenty five million dollars a year ish. Like that is is so bad. Like I'm not giving up the Brooklyn pick if I'm taking on that kind of salary. I'm just not doing it. Like I'll give up the Brooklyn pick for the right trade. That ain't the right trade. But if I can get Kimball Walker, Dwight Howard. Uh, and then, you know, make the move that we mentioned earlier for Bazemore, being Kimba, Bazemore, James, Love, Howard. Uh, that's, that's a pretty good fucking team. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily think Dwight Howard is, is like a, a great answer against, say, the, the Warriors. Um, but you can use them sparingly when you need to use them sparingly. Um, and, I tell you what. You know, what? No, I was just going to say really quick, I tell you what, getting Dwight Howard, that definitely, uh, Dwight Howard and Kimba, that definitely gets you out the East. I, yeah. if, they got, if they got Bazemore, Walker, and Howard, I would definitively, definitively, I'm sorry, as much as you know, I love Boston. I would even take Cleveland uh, getting out of the East. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'd bet my life on it if I had to. Like, they're, yeah, they, they would definitely make it out of the East. And you know what? They would they would probably compete with the Warriors. They wouldn't like win, but they would you know like Kimba. Kimba's really good, and I don't think people realize how good Kimba is because he plays on such a shitty team and he always has played on mm-hmm. such a shitty team. Um, but he's really good. Dwight Howard like is is has played really well the last two years. He played well for the Hawks too. Um, I mean, basically, Travis Link just didn't want to keep him because his contract was so egregious. Um, and, and I get that. 
Um, but he but he's played really well. Uh, he's got a you know PR of nineteen point five. Like that's and granted, like like bigs usually have higher player efficiency ratings. Um, but nevertheless, like he he's played well. And like you said, he's averaging in double double. Um, but no, I mean I I think the Cavs are the kind of team he could he could work well on. And yeah, I'd much rather have him given his salary than Nick Batum. But here's the question. If you're Charlotte and and, and furthermore, like this question like is, is kinda of what I brought up for the Kings earlier. Do you want to take on Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith? Is getting a pick worth taking that on? I, even though with the Kings it was simply the 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 Cavs pick, given their cap flexibility and the fact that they're moving two expensive contracts that they don't necessarily want in Randolph and and uh, uh, George Hill, like I think they would be more inclined to do it. I'm not sure if Charlotte wants to do that. Like take on Tristan Thompson's three years, take on J.R. Smith's basically two because you're gonna you're gonna buy him out. Um, you're gonna. I mean, he's only guaranteed three point eight seven million dollars in his third year, so you're gonna you're gonna take that. Um, and then Isaiah Thomas is expiring. Um, is that worth getting the Brooklyn pick? For me, it is. I don't know if it's worth it for the MJ and and the Hornets. What do you think? I tell you what, I think it is main for one for one main reason. You need cap space clear. To go out and get players, right? Mm. The problem Charlotte keeps having is no one wants to go there. So Great. if no one's wanting to go there, you're having all the cap space, space what? anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. To overpay somebody who settles for being like, no, it doesn't make any sense. So if you can get a good draft pick, hopefully draft better than Michael Jordan has been uh, has been drafting. Um, you can do that. I would say their biggest issue of getting Tristan Thompson in that trade is what is the problem we were talking about off air of the situation they're dealing with now with the trade that they just put off. You now have yeah. Zeller um, and uh, and um, and Hernan Gomez. So now you're adding Tristan yeah. Thompson to that. So one of those guys is never going to play. So I think that would be the bigger issue for Charlotte to worry about because you're getting think, a draft pick, so don't complain. I think and taking on that money could, shouldn't be a big trade, deal. Yeah, I think maybe you could trade Zeller. Um, he's he's a relatively good defender. Um, it, I mean, he's not much on the offensive end, but he's not terrible. Um, and his contract is is long, but he's only making like twelve ish million dollars a year. I. I think you, as long as you're not trying to get a lot back, I think you can move that contract. Um, yeah. Like maybe to say like the Suns, like you move move them to the Suns and you take on like, I don't know, Brandon Knight. You know, like that that's the type of deal that I think could work because like the Suns don't want Brandon Knight, you know, the, Tyson Chandler's old as shit, Alex Lynn's coming off the books, like, yeah, that that kind of deal could work, but but yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, you you've got three centers; it's going to be really hard to get them all playing time. 
Like you, 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 you yeah. <laughs> there's only 48 minutes in a game. You, you can't split. But to, Go to, ahead. to answer your question, if I'm Charlotte, yes, I do do that trade. Um, not necessarily in a heartbeat, but yeah, after a while, I think about how valuable that pick is, and I think about the fact that having Tristan on the books, you're not using that money for anything else. No one wants to go there, especially if your biggest asset for people to want to come play with is gone. There's nothing there's nothing enticing somebody to wanting to play there off of how that team looks now. Now Isaiah being there, if they re sign him, JR, um, and Tristan that maybe could turn around the culture. But as of now sure. there's nothing that makes any valuable free agent say, Yeah, this is where I wanna uh this is the place I wanna make my home. So Tristan Thompson being on the books doesn't really uh isn't really a detriment to that team. Uh, unless you're looking at it like this, you don't want to be on the books for both Isaiah and Tristan. Then that would be something well, to think about. Yeah, I just I just wouldn't re-sign Isaiah. I would use one of right. those, either the Brooklyn pick or your own pick, to draft a point guard. I mean, Absolutely. obviously you you would want to get Trey Young, um, but even if you had to settle with Colin Sexton, um, either one of those two guys are. are probably going to be quality NBA point guards. Um, they look like it anyway. Um, I mean, you never know, but I mean, that, that that's what I would do. I And, and in fact, I'm, I, no, I, I was going to say I might prefer Colin Sexton you know, as far as pairing with Malik Monk, but no, I, I'd still rather have Trey Young. I'd rather have the guy who can yeah. get 35 footers. Yeah. Um, yeah. But nevertheless, like, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, definitely, you you don't resign Isaiah Thomas. In fact, you might just buy him out, or you, know, you might just cut him. Honestly, um, I would. Real quick, we got about we got about ninety seconds. Uh, I think Marcus Smart, uh, he's on the block. Uh, I think that trading uh, Terrence Ferguson would be totally worth it to get Marcus Smart. Uh, if you are OKC, I know Terrence Ferguson is great. He's shown a lot of potential, um, but you know, the, you know, all Boston wants is a first-round pick. What do you think about that? No, I like it. If I'm Boston, I'm trying to see if I can maybe uh, do a great replacement for Robertson, right? He absolutely is. He absolutely is. Absolutely. If, if I'm them, I'm definitely trying to do that. And if I'm Boston, I'm still trying to find a way to get Tyreek Evans also. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and if you get a first-round pick, you can then trade your own first-round pick for Tyreek Evans. Like, that would totally work yep. out very easily. So, uh, yeah. Uh, or, you know, you could trade Terrence Ferguson for your first-round pick. You know, whatever you want to do. Um, but, yeah, I, I totally think they should do that. Anyway, Thank you for joining me, as always, Jawan. Another great show. We will see everybody back uh, next Wednesday. Same time, same channel. Geek Vibes Nation, join us this Sunday. We're going to be breaking down the Han Solo trailer, the Deadpool trailer, and so much more on Geek Vibes Live. See us then, 8 o'clock Sunday. Peace. Peace.